Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis the Fourteenth, and this is another B-side episode. Before we get into it this week, a couple quick housekeeping things. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Pop Pantheon wherever you get your podcasts. Your ratings and reviewings really help us get the show in front of more people. So thank you to everybody that's continuing to do that. Follow us on social media at Pop Pantheon Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and me at DJ L-O-U-I-E-X-I-V on both Instagram and Twitter. Check out the Spotify playlist for this and every episode in the show notes of this episode and on our social media channels. And... A few other exciting new things. One is Gorgeous Gorgeous, my new party, which is germane to this episode because two of the three people I throw it with, Omri and Lala, are two of my guests on this episode. So you'll get to meet them for the first time. But our party, Gorgeous Gorgeous, the September installment is happening this Friday, which is tomorrow night. September 23rd at Resident in downtown Los Angeles. We'll be playing all pop music all night. And we're actually going to do a special thing where at... 10 p.m. Starting at 10 p.m., we're going to play Renaissance in full before we get into the regular swing of the party. So people have been wanting to hear that, and we're going to deliver. So come to Gorgeous Gorgeous. Ticket links for that are in my bio tomorrow night, resident downtown LA, and they'll also be in the show notes of this episode. Next up actually is a hiring call. We are bringing or looking to bring on possibly an editor, an audio editor. So this would be a part-time gig. And yeah, I'd love it if it could be a fan of the show, to be honest with you. Someone that knows the way the episodes are, et cetera, et cetera. So if you work in audio editing and you have experience that would be preferred, get in touch with me at poppantheonpod at gmail.com. Let me know why you're interested and what experience you have and maybe you can come work with us for a little bit i would love to hear from people so yes audio editors looking forward to hearing from you we have merch our hat our niche legend dad hat is available in the pop pantheon store at poppantheonpod.com so go get yours and please send out an instagram or tweet of a pic of you in it so we can see it and share it with the group love seeing everybody in their niche legend dad hat so go get yours today poppantheonpod.com in the shop section. And while you're there, go fill out our listener survey. We're trying to get a little more info from everybody about your listening habits, what you're enjoying about the show, and how we can continue to make it as good as we possibly can for all of you. So go get your niche legend dad hat and then go over and take our listener survey at our website at poppantheonpod.com. So this episode is a special one. It is, of course, about Lady Gaga's Chromatica Ball, which just ended somewhat tragically early, a couple songs early in Miami a few nights ago because they ironically got rained out. And I had the chance to see it in LA a few nights before that happened with my dear friends, Omri, Lala, and Steven. And I knew I wanted to do a Chromatica Ball episode once I'd seen the show. And they're all so smart and have so many good opinions on music and are funny and delightful to listen to. So I thought, why don't I make the group chat audible for everybody? So this episode is a review by the four of us, but more just like a casual look back on our experience at the show, what we liked about it, what it felt like to be there, what it all means for Gaga at this moment in her career. And it was really so much fun for us to record. And I hope that you guys enjoy listening to it, whether you saw Chromatica Ball or if you didn't. I hope this gives you a sense of what it was like. 
And at the end of it, we do have a little debate about Gaga's tier rating. So without further ado, here is our thoughts on Lady Gaga's Chromatica Ball. Okay, so I am here with Omri, Lala, Steven, my friends, finally here with me on Pop Pantheon. Guys, welcome to the show. Oh my God, hi, Diva doll. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having Finally us. Finally made it to the Pantheon. I feel like the fourth wall is being broken somehow here. It's, well, it's like- chilly up here on the Pantheon. <laughs> I know. We, are, we the- are at tier one, right? That's where we're at. Absolutely. It's no question the about altitude. it. You guys are at tier one. I feel like for some of us, we're the tier two group chat, but we don't have to talk about that. Ah! Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. Wait, expand. What do you mean? Oh, I'm joking. I was just like, as if our friends group chat was like a tier two and we each had a different tier one group chat. I don't agree. This is a tier one group chat for me. Aww. That's I why agree. I'm hurt. Agreed. Uh, it's basically this and like my family. Everybody else, I pretty much text by my like on their own. Aww. Is that sad? No. <laughs> you all are like, oh, that's so cute. We have like nine hundred. This is like our least <laughs> it does feel like the safety net of the group chat has been like removed though, because like you've taken the group chat and now you're recording it live and like you know. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to do because I was thinking to myself we should do a Chromatica Ball episode, but I was like. Obviously, we're all going to want to like debrief Chromatica Ball because we all went to it together. So I was like, why not bring that into the light and let the Pop Pantheon listeners listen to our debrief about Chromatica Ball? That's kind of the concept of this whole thing. That's why we're all here today to unsecure the group chat. A safe space. It's definitely a safe space. I don't feel like anybody needs to be afraid of the Pop Pantheon fans. They're just going to be interested in hearing what we all thought. Because the reason we're here, just to like set this whole thing up properly, is. These are my dear friends. We are all pop super fans, I would say. Is that a correct characterization? I don't want to mischaracterize anybody, but like that is the basis of a lot of our favorite things to talk about all the time between us. Yes? Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah, just, is... call, just call us the slur. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. And we finally, after basically three years of waiting, got to go see one of our faves, Lady Gaga, on the Chromatica Ball tour, as I know a lot of listeners to the podcast have. And I think there's a lot to say about it and a lot to discuss about it. And you guys are really smart and always have so many intelligent things to say about pop music. And I know you guys listen to the show and I get a lot of comments from you guys about the show, which I always really appreciate. So I'm very excited to like get to talk to you guys and also to enter one of these conversations without being like so, so nervous like I normally am because like I love you guys and feel comfortable. Whereas like usually I'm coming to this and I'm just like, ah, like I'm talking to someone that's like I'm so scared of. <laughs> like I hope I don't sound so stupid. So this is really fun. And I'm drinking, which is like not what I normally do. Oh my God, I didn't know we were doing that. Wow. I mean, I would never record at this time, and I was like, let me grab the opportunity. And this is the dance floor we fought for, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start by asking you guys something that we talked about while we were pre-gaming at Lala's house, which is, what is each of your experiences seeing Lady Gaga live prior to Saturday night. Let's start, I'll I'll go in order of how you're all on my Zoom screen right now. Let's start with Lala. Okay, so I feel like amongst this group, I've probably seen her the least, which is not to say that the love isn't strong and the little monster is not deep inside of me. 
I've only <laughs> ever seen Gaga at Coachella, and I was pretty close. And I originally bought tickets to see Beyonce, but she got pregnant and Miss Gaga, aka in her Alley era and her Star is Born era performed. Oh um, we got The Cure <laughs> for the first time, and that's the only time I've ever actually seen her live. How was it? Like, what was your experience of it? Actually, it was great. I honestly had a great time. It had cooled off at night. I went and bought the merch that she wore on stage because I was so inspired by her crop top. But it wasn't like a full Gaga Gaga tour. There was dancers, but it was definitely her trying to be a little more like rock and roll. You know what I mean? Mm. There wasn't multiple costume changes. There wasn't anything particularly spectacular about the stage show. She always sounds great and puts on a great show, though. So I had a great time. And it felt like a festival performance. As opposed to, well, what happened a year later, which was a Beyonce festival performance. But it felt like Festival <laughs> Gaga, which is different than my own stadium tour Gaga. Wasn't the set list for that like kind of iconic, though? Like I kind of remember that she was like pulling out some deep cuts that I think maybe some of us were missing at the show the other night. Like I kind of remember that. <laughs> she opens with Shiza. Which is insane. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I remember the set list being kind of like little monster oriented for that in a way that was exciting based on like some of the other choices she's made in recent tours. It should have been to be Shiza, Love Game, John Wayne was the first three songs. <laughs> Just the hits. Only the hits. I mean, it was. In some ways, it's actually my Dream Gaga playlist because it has so much art pop on it, frankly. Like exactly. Sex Dreams, Venus. So That's in, what I'm saying. In some ways, I saw my ideal set, but I definitely don't have the look back at like her real sort of early peak of culture tours, which it's got to be like the fame ball, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I right. feel like it's a different kind of performance for her, but an iconic one anyways. I think when artists do those like big singular performances for festivals, they want to make it different and special. And she was in the middle of filming a movie. So, you know, we got teeth and the cure. <laughs> she did teeth. That's what I'm saying. Like that set list was amazing. That was like the set list that I always want. Cause like, I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, I don't need to hear bad romance like ever again. Like I'd way rather hear teeth. <laughs> oh, I need to hear it every time. Yeah. No, <laughs> every time. When we heard that, when we heard bad romance, when we were still at the bar, that's like, <laughs> come on, nothing makes you rush to your seats faster. When we were in that unsafe bottleneck, staircase situation <laughs> that I then got when Omri was getting filmed for a TikTok. <laughs> my God. Are we getting into that yet? Because I <laughs> Yes, we're gonna we're gonna get there. We're Mr. gonna get there. Stadium of Dodger Stadium. Oh, we're gonna get to yeah. that. We're gonna get to our choice. All right. So Lala saw the Coachella performance. Steven, I think of all of us has seen her the most, it seems like I mean, so I saw her first as a budding starlet in an artist showcase <laughs> at the rooftop of the Atlas apartment building in New York City. So in a previous life, I had a music industry job, which afforded me also to see the Fame album release party at Highline Ballroom. And then I saw her almost every other time. The Fame Ball, the Monster Ball, the Radio City show, Monster Ball, the mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden show. And then <laughs> I missed the Born This Way Ball because Baby Girl already took a tumble. Yeah, and then the Art Pop rave 
<laughs> Joanne and then now Chromatica. I watched the art rave like in some live stream. I feel like there was that one sometime there was one moment where you could watch that like in a stream. Somewhere. It wasn't my favorite. What was your favorite excluding this week? I mean, I think I have to go full little monster, the monster ball in its second right. iteration. Spread that glitter and grease around her like the <laughs> giant shoulder pads, the shades, mm-hmm. the piss yellow hair. That is the, the octopus. Gaga. Yes. No, it was like an antlerfish, right? Anglerfish, rather. Oh. Oh. With the light. I thought it was. A... That was the one they filmed for HBO. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That was like teacup era. Yes. Teacup era. Mm-hmm. Teacup era. <laughs> Enough said. All right, Omri, what about you? So I'm sort of like Lala. Like, I saw her in 2009 in Boston at the House of Blues. It was like 500 people, just dance had just come out and it was a college roommate friend of mine who was like had her poster up above his bed we were both straight at the time uh (laughs) and he was like we gotta go see her and i was like i guess and then we got all like dressed up in neon which is what we thought you like did to go see a gaga show and we were like right up front she had the audacity to have like three opening acts it was incredible like she was still doing all the stunts, but the budget wasn't there. So it was like all falling apart in front of us, but in kind of like (laughs) a really cool aspirational way. And then I haven't seen her since. So it was like 500 people at House of Blues and then 50,000 people at Dodger Stadium (laughs) last week, so. 52,000 souls, as she kept reminding us the other (laughs) night. Yeah. Thank you. We would have been 52,000 souls if she had hit the button that triggered the monkeypox vaccine. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, whenever Omri tells the story about like being straight and going to see Lady Gaga, I think about that meme where it's like the guy from Reddit being like, hey guys, like you don't have to be gay to like Lady Gaga. And then he like went back on the thread seven years later and was like, actually, I came out as gay. It was actually me. I actually wanted to save that bombshell for this episode. Um, That's me. For me, I saw the fame ball at Terminal 5 with the bubble dress. And Madonna and Lourdes were there. And I saw the first iteration of the Monster Ball at Radio City Music Hall. And I my main memory from the show, besides it being iconic, was that my sister had just broken up with her boyfriend and was standing next to me crying the entire show. <laughs> and nothing to do with what was happening on stage, just like fully not present. Like I was like, I kept turning to her and being like, it's telephone, you know? And she's just like weeping and like staring at her phone. It was horrible. And then I saw the Joanne tour at a I think it was Yankee Stadium, if I remember correctly. I can't remember if it was MetLife or Yankee, but I think it was Yankee Stadium. And we had horrible seats. Because that show was, like, definitely meant for arenas. And they, like, put it in some stadiums. And it was just too small scale to fill the stadium. And the way the stage was set up, like, if you were on those sides, like, not on the floor, you, you could not see it. It was, like, enclosed. And so... That was like a little bit of a fucked up 
experience for me. So that's my Gaga show experience. But she has been incredible every single time I've seen her. I've always been completely like obvious. I mean, I don't. Th- I think it goes without saying she's an incredible performer. So the next thing I want to ask you guys before we actually talk about this show is it's been a little over two years since she put out Chromatica. Obviously, when Chromatica came out, we were all gagged, gooped, whatever, because we were in the darkest time of life ever. And it was like the height of pandemic hell. And we were all like gathering on Instagram live for my DJ sets to play Chromatica. And like, that was the best that we could do, which was obviously had its own charm. I'm not knocking it, but I guess I want to ask you guys before we talk about the tour, two plus years on, where is everybody at on Chromatica? Like, how do you feel about it? Where does it sit in the sort of Gaga pantheon for everybody? I still definitely dabble, although I think that quote unquote hits have risen to the top. Replay is still banging. Mm -hmm. Plastic Doll grew on me like a, uh, I almost said like a virus, but that feels feels terrible to say. (laughs) And I I mean, I may be the only one on this call that stands for a thousand doves, which she did not do (laughs) in any form, acoustic or original on this No, we got Angel Down instead. We got Angel Down, yes, but I'll hold it out for a thousand doves i would say those are the ones i go up so if you had to give it like a grade where, where are you sitting with it oh the album as a whole yeah i think it's like a solid a i think an it, a yeah yeah i mean hello i've spent so much on these tours i have to say that wait so where does it rank in the gaga albums for you like where are we third to the fame monster and born this way Okay. Yeah. That's generous. Which, I mean, listen, there's time, like, time may change thing. Time. No, well, you've had time, girl. Time heals all wounds. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see what happens. All right, Lala, Omri. I am also very pro-chromatica. I think during the pandemic, it was a huge bomb for me to have a Gaga album come out that was a pop album again. Not to Mm -hmm. specifically slander Joanne, because I did get into Joanne, but like Chromatica felt so more in line with what I wanted from her, especially in the dark depths of lockdown. And I remember you and I sending so many voice notes together. And I think actually it has grown on me significantly. I still listen to it. Songs on Chromatica, I would say multiple times a week, every week since it's come out. And I would say songs off of Chromatica are in my... Maybe my top five Gaga. I I think Replay might be a top five Gaga song for me of all time. Best song on the record. Let's just be honest. One of Lala's most iconic moments ever was when her like 2020 album Spotify rap thing came out and Replay was her number one song. I was like, that's a real bitch right there. Yeah, (laughs) Replay was my number one song of 2020. (laughs) Like I really, really loved it. all my little pandemic hot girl walks listening to Chromatica Mm -hmm. on repeat. And I think more than other Gaga albums, I listen to as an album more and Mm. come back to it. And of course, there are songs I rarely listen to now. Sorry, A Thousand Doves. But there are songs I do listen to every week and that still bring out like a screamy joy if I hear it in public at any place, which Mm. doesn't actually come up that often. So when it does, it's really exciting for me. But... I love Chromatica. I, I Wait, don't so think where it's is it in, where does it rank? I'd probably rank it the same, although I do love art pop. Yeah, you're always the one that's coming to bat for art pop. No, but Chromatica is actually better. 
I think Chromatica is better overall. Like, I don't think Chromatica has as many dips as a lot of her albums have. There's a lot of her albums uh-huh. where, like, I've probably listened to some of those songs on the albums only, like, three or four times ever. So you're saying it's, like, it doesn't necessarily have the highest highs that Art Pop has for you, but it also is more consistent. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else will have GUI, but who could, <laughs> who could be her? Who could be him? I agree. So, I agree. Okay. yeah, that's where I am. Okay, got it. All right, Omri? Oh, I'm glad I didn't go first. I'm not as enthusiastic as everyone else is about it like but I will preface this by saying that like a B minus Gaga album is an A plus album for like anyone else like you know we just grade her on a harsher scale but I don't Mm -hmm. find myself returning to that many songs on Chromatica famously you guys know that I want to walk down the aisle to Plastic Doll but that doesn't mean I actually like the song and um you know, when a thousand doves played at the Burbank airport the other day, I was bopping. <laughs> but oh those aren't songs that I actually like really can stand behind. I think 911 is still a fun one to go back to. Babylon is, I think, a top tier Gaga song for me. I obviously appreciated it during the pandemic. It's one of her more like palatable recent Mm -hmm. albums Mm -hmm. because it is so poppy and so you can pop it like candy it's above joanne it's above cheek to cheek but all the other girlies (laughs) reign supreme i am on team omri with this i am wow i'm somewhat ultimately lukewarm on chromatica i feel like what kind of the opposite of what lala said which is that i was so excited when it came out and was so grateful for it in that particular moment and was definitely thrilled to have her come back from whatever Joanne was supposed to be, which I have pretty not great feelings about overall. But I think over time, what is like settled in for me about Chromatica is I find it tame in a way that I don't necessarily like think I cherish the best parts of Gaga in that sort of context. Like I think art pop is a fucking disaster, but I would rather have a disaster than something that felt so like a little bit flat to me. And the reason that I love replay is because I think that's the one moment where truly like unhinged Gaga like comes to the fore. But I just find production wise that it's a little bit smoothed over for me. And also in terms of the presentation of her personality, I'm missing some of the wackiness, I guess is what I, is what I feel like the songs are so competent and nice, but a lot of them feel like they're missing some of the, like the, oddness that I like come to cherish about Gaga and where she takes massive strange swings that like sometimes don't make sense and feel weird. I don't love Gaga making albums that feel tame to me. And I think that's where I've ultimately like netted out on Chromatica. To me, I I think it's better than Joanne, but lower than all the rest of them. That's where I stand. You think it's lower than the fame? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, see, to me, the fame, I could get, I could cut the fame. Really? Yeah. But like the fame was such an important. It it wasn't good enough for me to become I'm a hard stand off of the fame. Mm. I didn't oh, find no. it that appealing. Mm. Uh, the fame came at the right time for me. Same. I, yeah, same. And, and this is a weird thing to say, but I almost feel like I saw her doing a kind of pop music that I thought I could do, frankly. Like mm. she was fulfilling a <laughs> fantasy that I had. And I honestly, yeah, I see that. That I actually like makes was a lot like, of sense. No, I would have done it differently. Honestly, it was almost like a jealousy thing. I was like, no, that's not, yeah. it, it's not good enough. And then I think she, fame monsters, like, 
and yeah. Born This Way peak, and then it's sort of been bumpy since. Yeah, but I agree. I actually am more fond of her in her later era because that's when I actually learned to love her more. Mm, just because why? I think I said the other day I could be fine with never hearing Just Dance again in my life. <sighs> right, right. No, Just that's Dance intense. slaps in, in a car. In a car, it it's like... Yum. Even the Colby O'Donis verse is like, <laughs> I, I would I would take that willingly. I was cracking up. Imagine if she had brought out Colby O'Donis at the show. I mean, we kept screaming possible, possible guests. I'm telling you, if Florence wasn't on that tour. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Bennett strapped to the gurney for Alice. No. For all we know, Colby O'Donis was one of the 52,000 souls. We don't know. He, wasn't there. <laughs> he probably was there. He definitely bought a ticket, though. I don't no know. question I'm about that. I'm looking at the fame track list and like paparazzi and like uh, AA and yes! Summer Boy, Brown Boy Eyes. Even like the shitty filler songs like Money, Honey, and the Fame and Beautiful Dirty Rich are iconic Love. to me. Because I just feel like, yes, looking back, those songs are like not nearly as bonkers and incredible as like her peak era fame monster born this way art poppy songs are. But like she ate culture in a way in that moment and it felt radical at the time. Like she felt so outside of the pop star norm at that moment that like I can never hear that record and not remember how exciting she was in that time. So even if the songs are like less than like thrilling, maybe all of them, I think that the hits are pretty thrilling still, but I think I can see there's some weird filler on that. There's some weird songs that are like trying to make sure she could like have like a hit with a hip hop artist. Like when she has Flo Rider on Starstruck, that is one of the funniest things ever to me that they were like hedging their bets and hoping that like maybe like if the dance pop songs didn't work, they could like throw her flow writer song out there I mean the fame is very much pockets of those little production you could tell like a, a label said okay we need something yeah. a little weirder we need something a little radio the mm-hmm. three songs that are space cowboy who you know like <laughs> they're they're it, it definitely has different moments. And in defense of Chromatica, it really feels of one piece. You know, I think for sure. this is the for first sure. time we got this interlude motif with the Chromatica yeah. one through three. She's doing something. Mm-hmm. But Louis, I do not disagree that there is a bit of a safeness and flatness. Mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. I want to say it was like a week or two weeks before the release of the album, she released like a spotify playlist of inspiration and it was a lot of like exciting 90s clubby house and i was like fuck we are going to go to space this summer and we did but it was safe it's safe but i it's comforting and i love it i get that i i totally hear what you're saying like i'm not like unhappy with chromatica but i'm not thrilled by chromatica and i actually think renaissance has kind of highlighted some of the weaknesses Mm -hmm. of chromatica to me because i think that's a dance record that is supremely strange while still being so deeply thrilling and enjoyable in a way beyonce beat gaga at her own game on that record in my personal opinion i know that that might be a controversial statement to say but i just feel like gaga has had trouble recapturing some of this frenetic insane energy of the peak moment of fey monster into born this way because i think there was kind of like she got so famous so fast and then there's been so many weird backlashes to her and i think she's had a little bit of trouble locating her center in pop 
since then. Not as a celebrity, obviously, right. and not as a live performer. She's obviously top of the game in that way. So let's talk about the show. What are your overall impressions before we get into the details of Chromatica Ball? We got there. We took an hour to get inside the fucking stadium. Thank God Lala got that Uber to the house at like 6.45. We were standing in line for drinks for what felt like an eternity. And as we were standing there, the opening of the show began. And so the four of us were like running through the crowd and then in a bottleneck because our seats were on the floor, you know, so we had to like get down this passageway, whatever. It was so exciting running through Dodger yeah. Stadium to the intro mm -hmm. to Bad Romance. I am almost thankful that we had to wait in line for drinks for that long because something about just tapping my credit card just to get the payment <laughs> through fast enough, tapping <laughs> through the like, gate oh go, 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 so that we could like race down to the field because we were sitting on the floor. Thank you for our great seats, Cynthia. Getting to our seats as like bad shout romance. out Cynthia. Shout out Cynthia. Big ups to Cynthia. Mm -hmm. The energy was palpable. It was mm -hmm. equivalent to the pyrotechnics we, we oh felt God. later. It was. <laughs> that Steven is convinced we're causing it to feel cool. It was wicking the sweat, Louis. It's just science. I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's how science works on Chromatica. We were right next to the fucking flames. I'm telling you, I was <laughs> drenched in sweat, and every time those flames just incinerated me within an inch of my life, yeah. I felt relief and release. It was also maybe the most humid day in LA yeah. history. It was yeah. a sweaty <clears throat> night to be out at a show. Especially in all that pleather. Everyone in play. <laughs> Lala had the outfit to kill it. I mean, Lala was like true kindness punk. Like, I had my hair extensions in. I mean, mm -hmm. I was suffering, but nothing was breathable on that. Anything for leather. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had that much fun jumping around and screaming uh -huh. at a concert in a long time. I was telling someone about it the other day, and I felt like they were like, "Oh, I haven't heard it's that good." I'm like, "Really?" Because I thought it was great. <laughs> And I think it's a little unfair to compare it to maybe how she performed at age 23 when she's 36. And I think that actually goes for Chromatica too, like expecting the chaos of someone going through a chaotic time in their life when they were young versus a much more subdued woman who's gone through a lot in her 30s, I think is a different performance. And there were definitely elements of it where I could see that they were saving Gaga's body and sanity. Yeah. In certain ways, like I was obsessed with the fact that she never wore a heel the whole time. Yeah. I think it's crazy that women that wear heels in concerts and shout out to those who can. But like she's dancing around all night. She should be comfortable, not break her hip again, not hurt her body like she has mm -hmm. so much in previous tours. And so I was happy to see her taking care of herself, but still dancing, still throwing her shit around and still oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, sounding. Uh, I mean, I've never actually heard her sound bad. So th that's one thing you can always that that microphone was on the entire night. Oh, she sounded 100%. fucking incredible.
jumping off Omri said, we ran to our seats and we really did get there like right in the nick of time because basically like the minute bad romance actually started. That intro was long, thankfully. It was a, that intro was like a good oh, five the, minutes long. the average of like 37 minute interludes throughout the show. Yeah, it worked to our favor. But the opening was really fascinating to me. So we got there, we're right on the floor. The set was humongous. Yeah. It's this giant like brutalist German expressionist, somehow both really imposing but very minimalist at the same yeah. time sort of set. And she runs through what I would think are her three biggest hits right off the jump, which I thought was a really fascinating choice. It was Bad Romance, Poker Face, and Just Dance, like boom, boom, boom in a row. I thought that was a really interesting choice for her to make. You know what I mean? It was blast off. It was blast off yeah. before you got to Chromatica. It was like she needed, <laughs> it was like we were on 100. You know, we had to break through the stratosphere to get... <laughs> through chromatica and she needed our energy too because mm. we were helping propel it and she was demanding the energy she wanted us on our feet she wanted us to jump in she wanted the fucking oh, sure paws did. up and the hands up she had a lot of requests and we gave and we helped break <laughs> through the, the stratosphere <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting testament to like who's at a Lady Gaga concert at this point because I think it really is fan service. Like to me, what that spoke to was like, I know everybody here is into Chromatica. I know that this audience that is showing up for this concert, her like large, very large core fan base, she clearly wasn't like anxious about keeping butts in seats because that's usually why an artist would save their signature song towards the end is because they want to make sure that like the casual fans will sit through the concert. So I thought that was a really powerful statement on her part of being like, I'm here to play to my real fans here. Like I'm not here to make for you wait reference, for reference, her Coachella set ended with Poker Face and finale, Bad Romance. And that was a mixed crowd and she was trying to play to that. I love that she just got that stuff out of the way. She honestly didn't give them that much fanfare either because she was sort of frozen for almost all three songs. She almost didn't move for those three songs, which was completely iconic in its own way and very, like, artistic in its own way. Well, just to paint the picture really quickly for anybody that didn't see the tour. So the show opens, as I said, with Bad Romance, Poker Face, and Just Dance. And throughout the first three songs, all of those songs, Gaga is at first like strapped into this almost like metal robot chamber thing where like only her head is visible. And even when she's out of that during the first few songs, she's kind of up on this platform, like above the stage in back kind of, and she doesn't move from this one spot. So I just want to make sure that that's clear to everyone as we talk about this. Well, she she's always physically restrained during the start of all of these tours, for the most part. Like, she's, Oh, really? Well, like the monster ball, she's like behind a screen and it's just giving mm. you insane silhouettes. After the countdown, obviously, for those who recall. And then the fame ball, do you remember she was in that pyramid dress? For paparazzi uh-huh. she opens with paparazzi uh-huh. she's not moving like an inch other than like the microphone i wasn't surprised but it was sometimes frustrating for her to be in that like iron maiden during bad romance i was like what am i, I what am i looking at it was i was like where is her face inside of this brutalist shape 
Yeah, and she was like up on that platform mm -hmm. and like all the dancers are doing the iconic choreo, but she's not. It worked for me because I was kind of like, she's so intense and yeah. such an amazing stage yeah. presence that like even just standing there rotating on the platform, you're like it's completely amazing. drawn to her. Like totally. I was utterly like fixated on her. She's so committed as a performer in every single moment that you're just like, what are you doing? Like she's just standing there like, like she had this kind of severe face on and that thing is just rotating around. And there's all these dancers and I kept having to remind myself to look at them because I was just like yeah. what is she doing up there like on that thing like just rotating but I do think as Lala I think alluded to like they were definitely I mean she didn't she have a hip replacement I mean they were definitely making some very smart and I thought well done creative choices to like preserve her physical being during the show and she did not move during that nor did she move during the next act that happened where she like emerged and did Alice like strapped to like a <laughs> giant stone <Loved>. slab. <laughs> that was iconic. Were you picking up on like a storyline? Because a classic Gaga trope is to like serve you this like giant concept. She'll talk about it as a giant concept and then it's not always clear like what the con like that was what art pop was. It was like she talked about it as if it was like this high-minded concept and then you're like, no, this is just like a bunch of like did you guys like pick up on any sort of like storyline that was supposed to be happening during this show? I thought her on that slab was a little bit like, you know, zoomed up into a new planet, maybe like sprawled out on the <laughs> medical bed while she's getting probed and microchipped. That's what I was getting from that. Anyone I mean, else? There's, there's obviously a story that she knows and the house, the house knows, but it wasn't as accessible as, let's say, the Monster Ball, which is like a twist on the Wizard of Oz, or I never saw, actually, I didn't mention this earlier, I never saw the Enigma Vegas show, but that has sort of oh, like right. this act structure, and obviously this, it was broken out This thing had an act acts. structure, they kept saying act one, act two, and I was like, what's the act? Because usually when pop star tours do that there's giant set changes like one thing about this set yeah. that was really interesting to me was that it was pretty static like they didn't change much about the actual like set of the show yeah i mean but those screens did a lot of work you know there was a lot mm -hmm. of yes a lot of minimalist circle motifs but the circles changed throughout <laughs> <laughs> And there was some nice work with like typefaces. Like 911, I think, was like <laughs> yeah, a, gra yeah, yeah. That was good. a graphic highlight. Yeah, that was a great moment. It, I thought that was yeah. a big highlight and, of the show. And Especially to like finally hear Chromatica 2 oh into 911 Live. Deeply yeah. exciting and potentially dangerous to anyone that was epileptic in the audience. was when just the wild flashing was yeah, happening. Yeah, strobing yeah. red 911. It was epic. Yeah. I think Iconic. one thing I wish there had been a little more of is the Chromatica theming, mm. like the album right. aesthetic, which I had heard rumblings of, but I purposely avoided spoilers for the tour because I wanted to be mostly surprised. But I knew it wasn't yeah. going to be like dripping pink mountains and like all of right. that, which I kind of wanted to see her go that direction. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like it was minimalist and it and had sort of a spacey otherworld vibe, but I wish she had pushed it a little further with 
uh, theming. And I mean, I would have loved to hear Chromatica front to back, frankly. No breaks, no other songs. I think that would be a really great tour. But I still think... She gave a lot of Chromatica. She did give there a lot of Chromatica. There were 10 Chromatica songs in there. She did but, give a lot of Chromatica. No, I feel you, Lala. I, I had the same thought. And, and again, similarly avoided the visuals of the tour. But you can't help but notice, like... This slicked back hair horror story countess vibe is not raver burning man girl in the middle of the desert. And also part of Chromatica, what appealed to me was like how cohesive the art direction was. And this is Mm. a far cry from what that album output looked like. But it's also like if you created this out, you put out this album over two years ago and think of the creative process, which is closer to like two and a half, three years ago, like you're gonna be tired of that. I also feel like it's so gaga to like do an entirely like weird dissonant concept 100%. visually. Like Alejandro, for instance, is a song that's like this sexy kind of like Latin themed pop song. And the video was like also kind of like a Fritz Lang yes. German expression as like, that's, I feel like it's a very typical kind of gaga thing to do is to like have two kind of like clashing sort of nonsensical ideas together and like not not really provide an explanation about like why these two things are connected like why chromatica and german brutalism right. is like connected it makes no sense but that's like kind of typical gaga i was really struck by through the first half of the show her severity like she was really deep into this thing of like giving like a, almost like an angry combative vibe during the whole thing which i know she does sometimes but like she was in some sort of character through the beginning of the show that only really dissolved when she got behind the piano in that extended section on that b stage she's dancing through the pain (laughs) that's what chromatic that's what chromatic is about i also agreed that it was sort of a little more subdued in the first three songs especially but her intensity did totally make up for it for me like you feel yeah. her and she was barking those verses out. And I mean that in a good way, like just oh, like yeah. belting. Yeah. You could see her like neck snapping to hit those notes, even though she was mm-hmm. frozen still in that costume. And I was actually really pleased that she didn't break character for Ever. at least six or seven songs. I think most artists would have done Bad Romance, Just Dance, Poker Face, and then being like, hey, Dodgers, hey, LA, yeah. nice to see you. But it's like, no, no, no. Give me a character, like give me an idea, a fantasy. And she, of course, gave the fantasy for a very long time. And actually, I'll applaud how little talking she did in a way that Mm -hmm. got us more music (laughs) and less talking. She does love to talk. That's true. That was very restrained of her. Yeah, I think my takeaway from the beginning was like watching her intensity and like commitment and how clearly like rehearsed and thought through everything was made me remember that even though and and i'll explain this i don't think pop star gaga is the most natural of Mm. her different performance personas it is my Mm -hmm. favorite because Mm. it is almost like a master class in it in saying like yes this doesn't come so naturally to me in the way that maybe it comes to beyonce but look Mm. what hard work and like creativity and dedication can get you. And I felt like I was just watching a masterclass of someone who was like, I figured it out. I know how to be a pop star. And like, you're all fucking living for it. I think that is an extraordinarily astute point, And I 100% agree with you. That was one of the interesting subterranean layers to the show for me was like, the first half of it felt like pop star Gaga 
And I agree with you. I think it's never actually been her truest guys. I think it's something that she like utilized to sort of achieve this level of fame. And it's become clear how like multi-dimensional she is as a performer and as an artist in all these other ways that actually I kind of think jazz and pop Lady Gaga is like kind of her like natural yeah. days oh, more so. Her, when she got behind the piano, right. she like relaxed into her body in this way that was sort of like, oh, this is what is mm-hmm. pure savant as like that you were born with this when you watch her, you know, just walking through the Venice Film Festival as a movie star, you're like, oh, this is your je ne sais quoi. Like, this is what you were born with. But you said, like, no, I am a pop star and I'm going to mm-hmm. be the best pop star. And she was. Absolutely. But it's, it's efforted. They're both thrilling in their own way, but there was a really notable energetic contrast between that opening run and then the piano part of it and what came after. Like, all of a sudden the energy really shifted because the truth of the matter is, she is such a warm presence. That was the other thing that I was really, like, registering about it. Like, no matter how hard she yeah, stands say, there. Humidity. Like, <laughs> it was. No, but she... But she there is a deep loving open-hearted vibe yes. to her that like she lets fly during the piano sections of these shows all the time like she's great speaking off the cuff even when she's saying nonsense it feels incredibly inspirational and heartfelt and just while i'm here i hope we can all agree that everybody in this nation deserves the right to make choices about their own bodies Sounds so incredibly good just sitting there with the piano. Like, you, you know, there's a part of you that's just going like, there's maybe a version of a Gaga stadium tour where it's just her on that B stage with the piano for 25 songs. Like, you could see that happening. Like, very few pop stars could do that, but she could do that, you know? So it's fun. I agree. I mean, I think that was like such an incredible point because it's true. Like, there is something studied and really, like, hard-earned about the sort of pop star thing. And I, I wonder, like, what the impetus is that, if that is, like, is that something that she feels she has to give, you know, or is that something that she wants to keep giving or, you know, I was wondering about that, but whatever it is, she's so committed and she's giving it and it's so fun. I thought the show was very dynamic because you got all of these different sort of sides of her and my personal favorite still remained, I think, ultimately the extended segment at the piano. She's just so captivating to me 
in that mode and I think has grown even more so like as her career has gone on. She, when she lets the heart open and she just sort of relaxes, I just find myself experiencing so much joy watching her. Not that I didn't have joy in the first part, but that was just my personal vibe. What were some other highlights for you guys? Like, were there specific songs or other moments in the show that, like, felt like they were super thrilling? Obviously, the set list omitted art pop, which I think there's a lot of opinions about. But I think there were really great, her commitment to certain fan service, like, Monster felt completely Mm -hmm. unexpected. And she literally does in the last 30 seconds of the song, a costume change into monster era Gaga with the shades and the uh, shoulder padded, weird red pulpy leather jacket. And it's just like, you did that just for 30 seconds. And then I think we went into the next act. Like it just felt really exciting. Yeah, that was great. Monster was really, I could have taken a few more moments of that. A few more like fan service songs. 100%. I would have loved, you know, as we Lala brought up, like one art pop song, one Bloody Mary-esque Born oh This Way God. song. I could have taken a few more of those little Like moments. a government hooker interlude uh, would have been you know something special yeah there were a few sort of visual (laughs) nods that like even just this graphic of her as this piano statue dancing during poker face which was a direct nod to this this like blink and you miss it statue she had at the brit awards in 2010 and like i was Mm -hmm. so distracted by that i'm like wait is anyone else seeing this? This was an iconic moment 12 years ago that I watched mm-hmm. on YouTube. So it's like, it was super exciting to see her in her element, growling at all of us. I think I was just so happy to hear Chromatica, honestly. Like yeah, Chromatica yeah. means mm-hmm. a lot to me and I love it. Certainly more yeah. than you do, Lou. So I was wishing she'd cut some of those non-Chromatica songs and just play Chromatica. And did Sign From Above instead? I mean, honestly... Ladies and gentlemen, um, Elton John. Sorry, that's Sir the Elton person John. I could see coming out. And I totally agree with you that later in her career, I think she will make a crazy tour just doing a piano tour. Mm-hmm. And I think she'll be able to do that for the rest of her life, frankly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can totally see her going to that. But I was still so soaked to see like her throwing herself around a little bit for replay yes. and 911 and sour candy. Babylon into Free Woman was really important, and yes. that felt really exciting. I think for me, the piano section, although I agree she sounds amazing and it's so heartfelt, definitely is a harder one to keep the energy up for. Mm. She was also behind us at that point, so we aren't right. actually looking at her face anymore, which, you know, we had amazing seats, which makes it even more exciting and more you get more hyped. But I think I was happy that she did get through so many songs, even if they were acoustic, like edge of glory so i was pleased with the set list overall and i had tried to avoid it so much i knew she didn't do art pop but i was really happy with hearing those first notes of replay and realizing what was coming Mm. and all of us just like screaming and jumping up and down to me was part of it and i think not to be dismissed is how much fun it is seeing someone you love with other people who love it i mean the people behind us were screaming and flapping Mm -hmm. a fan 
the people in front of us were jumping and just feeling the whole stadium shake when she'd ask us to do all our chores, jump, pause up, scream. <laughs> that feels really special and fun, especially having good seats and being on the floor and feeling like you're inside of it and looking back on a stadium and seeing all those blinky wristbands she gives out. And it just felt like, oh, yeah a stadium show with a fucking pop star like mm -hmm. yeah that's a big feeling and i felt like elated I yeah it you. did feel like when you showed up it wasn't you just showed up with the people you came with like everyone around you all of a sudden became your nucleus mm. of gaga fans even the straight couple next to me was bearable you know like <laughs> <laughs> there was a very inclusive environment as someone who attended a gaga concert once as a straight man you know i really wanted to bring them into the fold but like as someone with experience <laughs> But but yeah, like you never had to introduce yourself to anyone. We were all grabbing each other when certain songs came on, and it felt like other people were also when when they saw that you grabbed someone when replay started, they also were like, "That's my song," and like it mm. was just this absolutely lovely experience. And I agree with Lala that the energy definitely dipped during the piano section. It felt maybe a little too long like maybe it's nice to give people a seat for a little bit but it did feel like she had to put in some work to get us on our feet again after that mm. yeah because it went from that into an interlude right it went yeah. from that into Enigma. No, she went from the piano right into Enigma. Oh, you're right. Which is one of my favorite Chromatica oh, songs. So, so I think good. that that really worked for me. One of the best parts of the show for me was that I got to see it with you guys because I was just like, we've held on to this moment. This Chromatica moment was so huge for our friendships with each other, I feel like. That moment at the end when she did Stupid Love and when we finally got to hear Rain On yeah. Me with the 52,000 views. I mean, I've dreamed of that mm -hmm. moment. I had envisioned that moment for so long and the payoff was so over the top, 100% amazing. Like, because the crowd really did have incredible energy and I felt like everybody kind of came in with that vibe. Like, I felt like everyone was so excited to be there. And I've been thinking a lot about in the context of Nicki Minaj's current thing that's going on on the internet with her fans abdoxed to this person and whatever. I don't want to get into the details of it, but I do think pop stars fan bases reflect the energy of the person at the top. And I do think the energy in that room was palpably open, excited, incredibly positive. Kind. It felt really kind. <laughs> it did. It felt really welcoming in the most cliche way. Yeah. It felt like an incredibly safe space. And I really felt like there was this moment at the end we've all waited rain on me came out you heard that song all you could think about was i want to hear this in a club i want to be with other people yeah. we're all stuck in the fucking house this is so rough we were doing the best we could on twitch or whatever you know and it was so beyond cathartic especially to be with you guys because we all experienced that like yeah. over text and over the internet with each other and we finally got to have that moment with us and 50,000 other amazing people. And it was, she really delivered in that way. Like I was just like, this is the catharsis. This is what I envisioned at times a million. And I really felt like the whole show had that vibe. Like I felt like she knew what we all had been waiting for and she knew how to give that to us and she did she gave us all the different facets of gaga like to omri's point earlier like we got severe 
pop star Gaga. We got piano Gaga. You know, we got the like completely over the top conceptual production design. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask Lala as our like resident fashion expert, like what was your perception of the costuming of the whole thing? I felt like the costuming was a little safe for Gaga. Right. I thought she looked amazing. The wig. I I literally turned to Steve and was like, that Um, is her best wig ever. The wig was so good. (laughs) Yeah. Her makeup, that house labs stayed put. Yeah. It was shellacked well, in place. She didn't sweat yeah. a fucking <laughs> mascara lab. Like she was yeah. looked great the whole time. And I thought, never. I thought it was honestly exactly what I expect out of a Gaga tour, but much like comparing even to the sets and the sort of theming, it was more subdued than her like quote yeah. unquote peaky, crazy, like I gotta have like an animal popping out of one shoulder and <laughs> shapes coming out of my hips era and crazy glasses and 15 wig changes. But I think there was a lot more focus on singing a ton of songs. She's just saying what, 20, over 20 songs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. Another moment that was funny because I actually ran to get merch during an interlude and came back during the song. And we I, do thank you for that. And we do thank you. For yeah, that. can we? I love to buy, buy the girlies I merch. Lo- I love my t-shirt. <laughs> I walked back onto the floor during Shallow uh, and walking through the stadium as 52,000 mm. people sang Shallow, which uh. is maybe her most famous song besides Bad Romance. Yeah, like, I, I, was... I really powerful especially because it's like a belt you know what i mean it's a oh yeah it is a and it has the song. epic that epic moment yeah it has I the mean... epic moment and i just feeling walking through the crowd and hearing everyone scream it was another mm. big special moment that felt like ooh, i had been waiting for like a stadium to sing shallow to me basically yeah Her first real like stadium tour that that song has existed for. I mean, it's existed yeah. for the Vegas show, et cetera, but it's but it's not been in that setting where it's meant to be. I mean, a stadium ballad if you've ever heard one. If she had brought out Bradley Cooper, disappointing though, the that oh we God. didn't get, ladies and gentlemen, Bradley. Uh, I feel like been. it would have been a first name only situation. But oh my God, we have to died. shout out the guy who appeared next to us in Lala's absence, seemingly for maybe only that section. And then mm-hmm. while we were, the three of us were singing Shallow, he was like, do you guys want a video of this? Oh, yeah. And then we like <laughs> handed him a photo. And now we have like a gorgeous video of the three of us just belting Shallow. So whoever that angel was, angel up, you know? And then he Not left Angel too. Up. Like, and then he left Angel like up. right after that. <laughs> Angel down, because he left right after that. Um, I'm sure he's a listener. I agree. Thanks, man. <laughs> 
the shallow moment really, really was like super, super iconic too. I, I have agree. a question for Steven. Since Steven's the yeah. one who's seen the most of these tours. I mean, obviously I feel like it's, is it even fair to compare her very, first, you know, her showcase to this or the fame monster to this? Maybe, but... How did the energy in the rooms feel different? Like, how did did the fan base feel like it changed? Did the demographics feel like they have shifted? I mean, it's hard to guess how old people were, but I felt like there was a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s there, maybe. Yeah, it's tough because there's so many people, but I would say she had kind of like a legacy act crowd of like, oh, this is a hot ticket. And not to call like normies, but I think there was sort of like a, I mean, to fill a stadium, there's like a broader base, but I definitely clocked fans who are going all out and doing the full outfits inspired by Chromatica, inspired by the eras. I mean, there were just... The guy with the paparazzi blood. The paparazzi blood, a handful of drag queens who were giving literally completely accurate looks for this tour and it was just like whoa you studied these like grainy instagram videos within an inch of their lives but you know i think i remember being like in my 20s at the monster ball and people just going completely all out with like looks and this felt more let's put on looks that are inspired by the sexy raver sensibility but less costuming i would say yeah and the energy it felt more just like oh my god it's her this woman who has been with us for so many years versus holy shit the birth of an icon i feel like she's very comfortable in that legacy act like she's gonna be doing this forever it's almost like she's kind of again to omri's point like i feel like she's very comfy here being like she's born this way and born to be a legacy act she's literally Mm -hmm. been palling around with tony bennett and liza she did that amazing tribute to Frank Sinatra. Like she came out of the womb. Yeah. Just, I'm a legacy act. Mm-hmm. I'm New York. Mm-hmm. I'm old Hollywood. I'm showbiz kids, you know, and mm-hmm. then just puts on a, a hat and grabs her disco stick and walks into the night. <laughs> and as much as like now I wish I could transport and see her during those tours that I missed. I'm not disappointed in her not being that version of herself anymore. Mm. Like, I don't need her to have, like, spikes coming out of her head for the whole tour. Like, I understand that that's not her aesthetic anymore. Although Enigma, I feel like she went a little more in that crazy girl direction. And I feel like we we have to talk. I, I can't escape that comment without saying performing her most earnest song, Shallow, dressed as, like, some sort of oh, bug, the bug anteater thing. Kinda. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was great. That's classic Gaga shit. Like performing this incredibly earnest, straightforward, heartfelt ballad dressed as some sort of weird arachnid like bug thing. Yeah, was, that was hot. It that was, was great. Hot. But a lot of the looks were like, they felt like remixes of like past looks. Cause that was like her, do you remember the inflatable, how do you describe this? The inflatable like polka dotted like octopus look. They all kind of felt self-referential, which again, as a legacy act, you should be self-referential. Give us those like hooker boots and latex little tunics. Well, it's tricky because you want her to be self-referential, but you also don't want her to feel like she's like desperately grabbing for what made her, you know, she's in a tricky spot that way. And I think she did a very effective job actually at giving you enough of the extremities of the thing you fell in love with at the beginning without it feeling like I'm just putting on a show as my 21 year old self. And I want you to still think of me that way. I thought the show was really effective. Yes. She's created a visual language over all these years. You know, it's, yeah. 
Yes. The same, the same collaborators, like Nick Knight doing all of those video interludes. Like that's mm-hmm. the reason they feel like the one you saw from Coachella with like the rhino horn and like vomit or whatever. Who can keep track? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I just wanted to give. I like we kind of breezed over the stupid love rain on me. Mm, yeah. It wasn't the finale finale, but it was the finale for, <laughs> for us. us. For us, it was the finale. It was the gay finale. Are we gonna was... talk about what happened at the Be- end of the show? Best decision we ever made was leaving that fucking stadium before hold my hand. But oh my anyway, God. go on. I want to shout out the diva dolls, stupid love, and rain on me because. I think like every album, it's like as a gay pop aficionado, you listen to the singles, you love them. But once the album come out, you sort of don't return to them. At least I don't because I'm like, okay, I've listened to Stupid Love on repeat for the last two months. So now I'm going to do, you know, the non-singles. And I think it's been ages since I've like electively put on Stupid Love or Rain On Me. And when those came on, it was like the drugs hit, you know? Mm-hmm. It was Agreed. euphoric. It was everyone knew every single word. The crowd was jumping in unison. And it's just shout out to the singles, man, because like they were yeah. singles for a reason. It was Agreed. gorgeous. I liked Stupid Love when it came out, but hearing Stupid Love in a stadium on this tour was like, Stupid Love suddenly became like one of my favorite songs of all time for like five minutes because it was that back to back, those two songs back to back really felt Mm -hmm. that powerful and that big. Lala, how would you say it equates to seeing Good in Bed at Dua? Wow. 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 Bye. Zoom ended. That's all the time we have. For context, if you keep this in, for context, if you keep this in, Lala and I were living so much at the Dua Lipa concert and living for every single moment that even when Good in Bed came on, we turned to each other and said, is this the best song? Yeah, I remember this anecdote. I really remember this anecdote and you're all you're both canceled for that opinion (laughs) my last question and this is going to be a curveball for everybody but is gaga tier two or tier one in the Ah, pantheon she's tier one tier one one i think it's insulting to have an argument about it oh my god louis i love the podcast and i understand because i know there was some (laughs) discourse when you talked about it with gaga because listen the true track record has been a little shaky Mm -hmm. to say Mm -hmm. to say the least Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she's not as populist as she once was but i do think going back to the idea of her as one of our legacy acts you know and and sure there are artists with more years under their belt but in terms of like you ask anyone on the street gaga and they'll tell you meat dress they'll tell you the weird girl or or whatever they tell you they'll also star is born exactly a star is born you Um, say gaga they say patricia Exactly. 100%. <laughs> wow, no one even brought Goodbye again. It gets murky when you bring in the celebrity persona, but I think she's earned that. She's earned tier yeah. one. 
Yeah. And like I said, I can see her doing Billy Joel style 10 nights in a row at the garden, sitting Mm -hmm. on a piano, barking out this shit acoustic and just killing it at age 60. And I'm going to be there because we're the same age and we're just going to be screaming along still because it's very easy to imagine that. I think she will have many different eras left Mm -hmm. in her. And I mean... She's 36. I mean, there's nothing to say that she couldn't have another crazy pop star era or like an incredible, like, I don't think she's really ever put out besides the jazz and piano, like almost like, and I hate, I'm not just trying to compare her, but like an Adele album, like a ballad. Like, mm. let's see her do a really emotional album that's maybe a little I think less- she thinks Joanne was that, but sure. <sighs> she's Joanne EGOT. was her Starbucks album. She's gonna EGOT. <laughs> and the conversation will be put to bed. I would say people don't wait for three hours at a baseball stadium for tier two. (laughs) She's she's the definition of that meme, uh, you'll be famous forever or whatever the fuck that is. Who else is in tier two? You will always be famous. Like who's like Um, like premier tier two girly? uh, Well, I guess the episode will have come out at this point. Uh, Rihanna we put in tier two. Rihanna we put in tier two. Oh, that's tricky. But no, Gaga's one. I, I, I feel like Gaga is going to end up in one. That's where I am. Okay. I feel like when the book is written, I feel very confident she will be in tier one. You My don't... question is like, no, but I, I don't know. I could be there now, but I don't think I can. I, I'm, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave all of your guys' strong opinions hanging out there. And I'm just going to say thank you for sharing them. I was going to it... say, you don't think Rihanna's star turn in Battleship earned her <laughs> the pop culture relevance to be tier one? No, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Louis um, just took his Fenty highlighter and crushed it in his bare hands. Do not, do not. You, don't yeah. know. you guys can't see this at home, but Louis's been eating his expired Chromatica Oreos this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I still have mine. What do I do with them? They're the point? most disgusting thing I've ever oh, eaten. Oh, I know. In my life. Truly. They are disgusting. Like, they make me want to vomit. Okay, so here's my final question. Can the four of us come to a consensus on an underrated Lady Gaga song to send this podcast out? Okay, one, two, three, brown eyes. God. (laughs) It does keep coming up. I think brown eyes. I love that. Ah! No, I no, no, we don't. Are you going to let that no, go? No, you and I can I don't sway think, this. Lala doesn't know brown eyes. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I really don't. I, I said consensus. It has to be all four of us approved. the fame. Lala? Sex dreams. Oh. What? Sex dreams. Sex dreams. I don't know if I could get behind that. Oh. Venus. So happy I could die. Should we so do a die. tribute to Art Pop since we didn't hear any at the Chromatica Ball? That's a great point. Okay, yeah. that's a good Mary idea. Mary Jane Holland. Mary Jane Holland. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm down with that. Omri. <laughs> Fine. Let's go out on Mary Jane Holland. Light it up for Mary Jane Holland. Girlies, everyone, everyone put your, your Mary J in the air for Mary Jane Holland. Okay, Lala. Omri, Steven, thank you so, so much for being here. Red one. Thank you. (laughs) Gaga. Do you notice she doesn't say convict anymore? As she shouldn't. She should should say Colby (laughs) O'Donis. Patricia. (laughs) Do what you want with me. Okay. Thanks, Lou.